Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. There is research to support the idea that one minute of walking will reduce your blood sugar number by one point. Oh, yeah. that's cool. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't know that. <laughs> You're listening to the Mommy Labor Nurse Podcast, where you'll gain the knowledge and confidence you need to erase the unknowns of pregnancy and birth and rock the newborn days like a boss. My name is Liesl Team. I'm a fellow mom, labor and delivery nurse, and your host. Each week on this podcast, you'll hear a mix of birth stories, expert interviews, and other fun pregnancy and birth-related content. As a reminder, anything you hear on this podcast is not medical advice. Please see mommylabornurse.com slash disclaimer for more details. And now let's get into this week's episode. Happy Monday, you guys. Do you have gestational diabetes? Well, guess what? This episode is for you. And you know what? Even if you don't have gestational diabetes, this is a really great episode to tune into. GDM is typically diagnosed around 27 to 28 weeks. So if you're pregnant and anywhere before that mark and haven't had your screening yet, listening to this episode is a great way to be informed about how to navigate GDM in case you do get that diagnosis. Today, I chatted with Leslie, a dietitian who specializes in counseling mamas who have been diagnosed with gestational diabetes. Today, we talked about everything from what GDM even is, the screening process, where to start if you get diagnosed, exercise and how that plays a role, common myths and more. And spoiler alert, one of the myths is that you can't eat carbs and or you have to have a super low carb diet. No, that is definitely not true. <laughs> and Leslie explains to us why that is. So without further ado, let's dive right in. Wondering what you need to do to stay on track during each week of pregnancy? Not sure what you need to be learning or researching along the way? I can help. Sign up for our free weekly pregnancy series to get tips, advice, and resources tailored to your exact week of pregnancy sent straight to your inbox every week. Sign up at mommylabornurse.com slash I am pregnant to get your first email today. See you in your inbox real soon. Hi, Leslie. Welcome to the Mommy Labor Nurse Podcast. Thanks so much for being here today with me. Hi, thank you so much for having me. Yeah. Can you just tell our listeners a little bit about yourself, family, what you do, all that good stuff? Yeah. So I am a registered dietitian, but I am also a mom of two wild and crazy boys. Woo, boy mamas. <laughs> Hashtag boy mom. And they are yeah. wild. I, yeah. like I am the queen of the house because everyone here is male. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but it's, mm -hmm. it's really fun and it keeps me really busy and I love it. We are very active family. My boys are involved in sports and we like to be outdoors when the weather's nice in Ohio, which is not right now. <laughs> oh yeah. I bet it's cold. Ohio's pretty 
up there, yeah. <laughs> like yeah. north. So it probably the winters probably get kind of cold. And yes. It probably doesn't get to be warm like in the spring till late. <laughs> yeah, we had a warm day yesterday, but it's cold and rainy today. So <laughs> when we can get outside, we like to be outside and, and stay pretty active. I like gardening and trying to be a plant lady of my plants indoors. Cool. <laughs> I like I like want to be that kind of person, but I every plant that I've owned, I've killed. So I I think I've just accepted that I just am not that kind of person, but who knows? Maybe one day I'll just really get into it. <laughs> yeah. You have to start with like really easy, less likely okay. to die plants. <laughs> okay. Okay. Maybe that's my problem. I like just went too hard. <laughs> yeah. Like get a snake plant. They don't die easily. Oh, okay. Good advice. <laughs> All right. So yeah, I was just going to say, so let's talk about what we're going to talk about today and tell me your credentials and like what kind of work you do with moms who have gestational diabetes because our episode today is about gestational diabetes. Yeah. So I'm a registered dietitian. I have been for eight and a half years and that whole eight and a half years I've worked with pregnant women. I just love the prenatal postnatal space. I love working with new moms because again, I'm, I am a mom myself and I know that that time in a woman's life is so vulnerable and so important and so special. Um, so I think it's just an honor when I get to work with women through their challenges of pregnancy, but yeah, I run a gestational diabetes coaching program, the better blood sugar method, and I help women balance their blood sugars during pregnancy. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. I know one one of my good friends just got diagnosed. She's, I just saw her this weekend. She's 30 weeks and she got diagnosed a couple weeks ago with gestational diabetes. And I was like, you got to go follow Leslie. And she was like, actually, I already did. I was like stalking your Instagram for people. (laughs) And I was like, okay, good. She's a good one to follow. (laughs) Yay. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. So, all right. So I want to first talk about like what the difference is between gestational diabetes and like type one or type two diabetes? Because a lot of people don't really understand that there is a difference. Yeah, that's a great question. And I was actually just talking about this today on my stories, but type one diabetes is an autoimmune disease. So it's completely different than type two diabetes. Type two diabetes, you know, there's genetic component to it, but it's usually like a lifestyle thing and it just insulin resistance. Typically as we age, we become more insulin resistant. So gestational diabetes is its own animal. I always say it's its own thing, but it is more Mm -hmm. similar to type two diabetes than type one. So type one diabetes is completely different thing caused by different things. So gestational diabetes is insulin resistance, high blood sugars in pregnancy, just in gestation. So once you Mm -hmm. deliver the baby and you deliver the placenta, the in true gestational diabetes, your blood sugar issues will resolve. Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. Good, good. Yeah. And I know that they're, it, they do say that you are at a little bit higher risk of developing di- like type two diabetes later in your life if you do have it during pregnancy. Yeah. I was looking through research today. Honestly, mm-hmm. there needs to be more research because it's anywhere from, yeah, I've always seen 30 to 70%, but I was just looking on ACOG's website and they said, 15 to 70%. I'm like, that's just too big of a range for me. Yeah. That's like way too high. (laughs) So 
so I just, I feel like there needs to be more research and I've talked to some high risk OBs before, and they also say like, you know, we just really don't know enough about it. So yeah, there is an increased risk of developing type two later, because if you're showing signs of insulin resistance in pregnancy, then as we age and naturally become more insulin resistant, there's a higher likelihood for you to, to have, you know, insulin resistance and have blood sugar issues if you've had them previously in your life during pregnancy. So to pinpoint a specific number, unfortunately, I, I don't feel comfortable doing it, but there is an increased risk. Yeah. Yeah. Makes sense. Makes sense. All right. So let's talk about the testing for it. So I know there's a couple different ways, like some people get screened earlier in pregnancy and some people get screened twice and some people get screened like three times. So let's talk about the testing, what that is like, and if you have any risk factors for it and what type of risk factors you might have. Yeah. Typically the screening would happen if you have no other risk factors, the typical screening happens between 24 and 28 weeks. And generally the first step of it is to take a one hour glucola drink. It's a glucose, 50 grams of liquid sugar. Delicious, right? (laughs) So good. (laughs) Yeah, it's my worst memory of pregnancy, but you take that 50 gram sugar drink and then they test your, well, they test your fasting blood sugar and then they test your one hour after the drink number. If you pass it, you're good. You're golden. You're done at 24 to 28 weeks. If you pass it, you're good. Yeah. If you fail it, they move you on to a three hour test, which is now a hundred grams of liquid sugar. And they're going to test your fasting. And then they're going to test your blood sugar at one hour, two hours and three hours. And if you fail two out of four of those blood draws, you are diagnosed with gestational diabetes. If you pass it, you know, I've seen different things. You should be good, but sometimes doctors will say, well, let's test you again. Cause you failed the one hour. So yeah. the thing with gestational diabetes that I've learned, there's a lot of liberties taken. So there's not one universal way to treat and with target blood sugar numbers and things. It, it just, the line is very blurred depending on what type what doctor you see. Screening typically will happen early in the first trimester. I've seen as early as eight weeks. Sometimes it's 13 weeks. If you have had a previous gestational diabetes pregnancy, Mm -hmm. and if you have any risk factors at all, you know, family history of diabetes, if you're pre-diabetic, sometimes they'll test you, you know, unfortunately right now we do BMI, which I'm not Mm -hmm. a huge fan of, but extra Mm -hmm. fat tissue in general can cause some insulin resistance. So they may test you early depending on, on your BMI PCOS. If you have a history of PCOS that also Mm -hmm. causes insulin resistance. So they may test you early for that too. Hmm. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah. So let's talk about, I'm going to use my friend, for example, her name is Jessie. Okay. So let's say Jessie just got diagnosed with gestational diabetes. She did at, you know, 27 or 28 weeks. Like what does Jessie even do? Like, where does she even start? Yeah, it can be very overwhelming. You know, I think you most definitely need to see a gestational diabetic dietitian. Mm -hmm. So I think that's the first place that you would really want to start, but you need help in navigating the next step. So you you need to get a glucose monitor and most likely your doctor is going to prescribe one for you, but then you really need to know what changes, if any, there are to make to your diet. A lot of people will immediately go low carb and keto, which I don't recommend, Mm -hmm. but having a dietitian put eyes on exactly what you're doing and going over just general carb education and protein and how to eat food. 
is a great place to start. And I think it would take a lot of stress and worry and overwhelm out of your life if you get that done, like right off the bat. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay, good, good. No, that that makes a lot of sense. Just like getting that initial, okay, because it's very overwhelming. Like all of a sudden you're like, wait, what do I have to do? I have to check my blood sugar four times a day mm-hmm. and I have to eat this, that and the other. Like it just, I remember in my first pregnancy, I was fine. My second pregnancy, I had, I failed the, the one hour. So I did the three hour. And so thoughts are going through your head like, oh my gosh, what if I do get diagnosed? Then I have to change this. And like, mm-hmm. then I might have to get induced early. And it's like, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. so it's like, I want to think about, let's like, just take it one step at a time. Right. Yes. <laughs> yeah. We get way ahead of ourselves and we get on yeah. Google. I mean, I'm guilty of it yep. too. Yep. For things. Everybody is. Yeah. <laughs> but you can really go down a rabbit hole and really get yourself worried and scared. And, and I think the thing that I see a lot is women do take it upon themselves to start doing all of this trial and error with their diet, not knowing what's working and what's not. And I think if you have that, just at least even one appointment with a dietitian to get your head wrapped around what exactly you need to do, you won't be as stressed. You won't have to rely on Google for (laughs) these random answers. So I think it's really helpful to get guidance as soon as you can, because gestational diabetes also I always tell women they're in like a pressure cooker Mm -hmm. because it's not like type two where you get that diagnosis, you know, you can figure it out. You have time. No, you're pregnant. So there's that increased worry about hurting baby. And also doctors move quickly to bring blood sugars down. So if you're not getting it with diet, they're going to move on to medication, which isn't necessarily a bad thing, but there's this pressure to get it figured out quickly. So the sooner you can see someone to help you with nutrition, I think the better off. Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. Cause you're like, wait, now I guess I only have 12 more weeks and like, yeah, I got to get this together and I'm not ready and blah, 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 blah. Yeah. No, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. All right. So let's go into myths. Let's talk about some common gestational diabetes myths that you might hear from your followers, your platform, and let's dispel some of those. Yeah. I think the number one myth is that you have to eliminate all carbohydrate and you have to go low carb. Yeah. Honestly, my method and the way that I teach, I wouldn't even call it low carb, (laughs) you know? Oh, really? I don't, I don't think it's low carb. And I think a lot of the women that work with me are surprised diet culture is around us and that, and these thoughts and, and being bombarded with keto and everybody eliminating carbs and carbs are bad. That's in our mind. You know, we have these lived experiences that we bring into pregnancy. So then you hear that you have blood sugar issues and you also hear that carbs are bad. Of course, the first thing you're going to do is eliminate carbs. But in reality, eating carbohydrates just more consistently and maybe in a better portion or something is really going to help manage your blood sugar much better than taking carbs completely out of your diet. So that's the number one thing I hear. And then I also hear things of like, you can't eat sweets, you can't eat fruit, you can't eat rice, you can't eat pasta, like all these things you can't do. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, that makes sense. Like, because obviously you think, okay, if I eat this cupcake right here, like it's good. My blood sugar is going to go crazy. I can't eat a whole cupcake. And like, maybe, I don't know, correct me if I'm wrong, but like, it's not that you can't eat any cupcakes. Maybe you just have half a cupcake or maybe you just have, I don't know, maybe you do have a whole cupcake. And then the next day, I, I mean, it's like, you kind of have to give and take, right? Right. It's about balance. So I think, you know, 
I talk a lot about it with baby showers. Okay. You know, I don't want women to, to be tortured at their baby shower with like, oh, there's yeah. dessert. It's my special day. I can't enjoy the cupcake. Yeah. I would say, have. I mean, you might want half the cupcake, but have some protein with the cupcake. Good point. And your blood sugar is going to be much more balanced than having the big cupcake by itself. So yeah, it's just, it's really about balance. And that unfortunately in our world is not glamorous. It doesn't sell. It's not fun. Yeah. It's not, it's not. I did a lot of work over the summer with an intuitive eating program, like personally myself. And I learned a lot about diet culture and how ingrained it is in our society. Like just, oh my goodness, like it's everywhere. And once you, once your eyes are open to it, you're like, yeah, whoa, you see it everywhere. <laughs> like even in pregnancy, postpartum, like everywhere. It is true. It is so true. And that's what I personally, you know, follow intuitive eating. I I mean, I hate to say it, but if you're a woman alive yeah. <laughs> in this day and age, yeah, you've probably been affected by diet culture or food noise, disordered eating. I mean, a lot of us go through those things, myself included. And so, yeah, I try to incorporate intuitive eating the best way I can into my program. Now there do have to, there are guidelines. There are certain things. And like I said, if you're gonna have the cupcake, have some yeah. protein with it, but I am very flexible and I don't like rules for the sake of rules. And mm-hmm. I, I really try to teach my clients to listen to what works best for them. You know, if it's, yeah, it's a recommend, a recommendation I give, but it doesn't work for you. Scrap it. Let's find something that works yeah. for you because we're all individual. Yeah, totally. Yeah. All right, the sound of that baby crying means it's time for this week's segment of Birth It Up Babies. All right, this one is from Instagram, and she says, Hi, I hope you see this, but I wanted to send you a thank you for your Birth It Up epidural course, Instagram, and podcast. All the resources are fantastic and really gave me the confidence to advocate for myself during my pregnancy and have the knowledge and support for a seamless pregnancy and birth. Oh, I love that. That's so sweet. Yes. Love that you had confidence. That is really what we aim to provide you with here at Mommy Labor Nurse. I love confident mamas. All right. So she says, my baby boy, Rhett, was born on Monday, 2-21-22 at nine pounds, one ounce, 21 inches long. That is a big baby boy. I felt contractions come on at 10 p.m. and we left for the hospital at 11.20 because they had ramped up from being 10 minutes apart to 40 minutes apart last one minute each. That's very quick. I arrived in triage at three centimeters, but contractions coming every two to three minutes. So they admitted me, got my epidural and my nurse definitely questioned if I could sit still for it. But I recalled your post and training and just rolled forward over a pillow and held out through each contraction, knowing it'll be better soon. Yes. Pushed for two hours and only tore a little bit around my labia. Thank you for all the information, tips, and advice to get me through it. Oh, I love that. If you want to check out this course that this mama took, she took Birth It Up, the epidural series, and you can head over to mommylabornurse.com and click on the epidural series. All right, let's get right back into this week's episode. Well, let's talk about the difference between a fasting blood sugar and taking your blood sugar like before or after meals and like what even is a a fasting blood sugar? Yeah. So the fasting blood sugar is the blood sugar, the the first blood sugar you're going to take in the morning as soon as you wake up and doctors do need it to be at least eight hours. Okay. 
Now, it doesn't mean that you have to take it at eight hours. You can take it at 10, 11, 12. But research does show us that the longer you fast past the eight hours, the more the blood sugar starts to go up. So I would recommend okay. eight or nine hours for fasting, but it has to at least be eight hours. And the reason they're looking at that is they just kind of want to see what's happening overnight. If your insulin is working overnight to bring your blood sugars down, your natural insulin, that goal. And again, it's going to be different. So some doctors want it under 95, some want it under 90. Let me tell you, which is hard to do <laughs> under 90, but that, that's the fasting and pregnancy hormones surge in the morning. So the fasting okay. is typically the hardest number to control and bring down because we're working against the pregnancy hormones. Got it. Got it. Okay. So is that one you think, is that one typically, and maybe you can't speak on this, but is that one typically that the one that carries the most weight that they're looking at to manage if you need to go on medication next, or if you need to go on insulin? Yes. Yes, because that is the hardest one. It's not necessarily that that one is more important, but that is usually yeah. the one that stays high. And doctors don't like high trends. So each doctor is going to tell you a different protocol for when they're going to go move on to insulin or medication. Unfortunately, I can't say, oh, it's two out of seven or it's five out of seven or whatever, because each doctor is different. Some are more conservative, some are more liberal and will allow higher numbers, but they do focus a lot more on the fasting number because it's harder. Yeah. No, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. All right. So let's talk about like, what if you move to that next step and you're trying to manage your diet, you're trying to manage your diet and control your gestational diabetes with just your diet changes. But let's say those fasting blood sugars are higher and higher and your provider's more concerned. Is this when they would, and I know the answer to this question, but I want you to speak on it. Is this when they would introduce insulin or like kind of where are those next steps? Yeah. So when they see it trending high, they're usually, their next step is usually going to move to insulin and ACOG on the American college of obstetrics and gynecology, their stance is that insulin is the best treatment for blood sugars in pregnancy because it does not cross the placenta. Mm -hmm. Whereas metformin is an oral medication used to treat blood sugars. It does cross the placenta. And right now there's just not enough research, you know, um, long-term research on babies and kiddos and how they've reacted in pregnancy to that. I have clients that take both. So, I mean, they, you know, some, some people do prefer to take metformin, um, but the preferred option is insulin. And I think, you know, a big thing that I see is women oftentimes feel really guilty for starting insulin and they really don't want to start insulin and they feel like a failure, but yeah. honestly, you know, you could do everything quote unquote by the books with nutrition and sometimes hormones and insulin resistance is just so strong that you have to use insulin as another tool. Yeah. But I, I think nutrition and insulin work together. So it's good to know how to use them together to help bring your blood sugars down. Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. I mean, I tell this pe to people all the time and I remember like thinking that like, oh my gosh, I feel guilty if I, if I fail, like I, I feel like a failure if I fail my three hour glucose test. And like, and then I can imagine if you, then you get diagnosed with gestational diabetes and you're saying you move on to insulin, you're like, oh my gosh, am I doing something wrong? Like, oh, it's probably so weighing. Th that's a very similar feeling. I think people feel in regards to weight gain during pregnancy as well, because 
weight gain is like, okay, they say, let's try and stay between this target, but gosh, everybody's bodies are different and some people's hormones are different and some people are just going to gain 60 pounds or more. And it's just like, you can do all of the things, but sometimes you need, you're going to need to go on insulin if you have gestational diabetes. And sometimes you're going to gain 60 pounds if you are pregnant. Yep. Yep. I will have two clients that when I review their food logs, eat the exact same way. Everything is paired perfectly. They're doing, they're walking, they're drinking water. I mean, almost identical. And one requires insulin and the other does not. It does not mean that the one who stays diet controlled is more successful or has done anything different. Just we all have different genetic makeups and we all have, like you said, different hormones in pregnancy. So yeah, you're definitely not a failure. I heard the analogy one time and I love it. Like if you are sick and your body is not, you know, your immune system is not fighting off the illness, you might need an antibiotic or medication to get over that, that illness. Yeah. You don't consider yourself a failure if you need medication. It's the same thing. No. It's the same exact thing. You you are not a failure if your body needs more help. Yeah. Yeah. Good way to put it. I love that. All right. So let's talk about like exercise and activity level. And does that, do you talk about that as a nutritionist when you counsel your patients or like, does that have any weight in terms of blood sugar or is it just, you know, we're really focused on diet? Yeah. I do talk about exercise. I don't want people to go like, you know, hardcore and all this extreme stuff. Run a marathon. Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) But yes, there is research to support the idea that one minute of walking will reduce your blood sugar number by one point. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. So (laughs) let's see if you eat your meal and you take a 20 minute walk, you check your blood sugar after your numbers, you know, should be down 20 points. And it, it's not cheating. <laughs> I've had that question before. Is yeah. it cheating? I'm like, no, it's a natural way to, to bring your blood sugar down. That is one thing, you know, just like nutrition, exercise is another thing that we can control, you know, about our lifestyle to help reduce our risk for type two diabetes later too. So mm-hmm. use that. Don't go hardcore. You know, a 10, 20 minute walk is fine if that's all you can muster and don't be hard on yourself if you're not doing it every single day. But yes, exercise does help. And I, I do recommend it. Yeah, no, I love that. And, and it also is great to do in the, like, Hey, eat your lunch and then take a 10 or 20 minute walk. Gosh, like I love doing that. Like clear your head. You know what I mean? Or take a walk after breakfast or whenever. Like that's just a nice little break too that you get. Yep. I do the same thing. I think sometimes for mental health, just getting outside, it's it's nice where you are. It's just so nice for mental health also. So yeah, I love it. And just pairing like, okay, we're going to take a break. We're going to eat. And we're going to do a little bit of exercise (laughs) during our break. Yeah. (laughs) All right. So let's end with, do you have any tips for moms who are listening right now? Like my friend, Jessie, I'm sure she's listening because she was really interested in this episode. Do you have any tips for Jessie or anybody else who maybe just recently got diagnosed with gestational diabetes or any favorite resources that you tell, you know, all of your clients to check out? Yeah, I think my number one tip it's not nutrition related, but be, be kind with yourself. Yeah. Like be nice to Gratitude. yourself. Yeah. Yeah. You know, being hard on yourself, telling yourself you're a bad person or you're a bad mom, or you did something wrong. 
is not going to help. And it's just not true. So be really nice and kind to yourself. You're learning something brand new. And like I said, there's a lot of pressure to get it right. My other tip, again, going back to that myth, don't eliminate all carbohydrates, please. I beg of you. Yeah. <laughs> Eat some carbohydrates, you know, include some high fiber carbs like whole grain bread, sweet potatoes, corn, peas, anything like that. I love my favorite snack is popcorn. It actually has great fiber. Okay. So yeah, I think don't eliminate carbs. Be nice to yourself. In my program, I have created so many resources. So if anybody's looking for resources, check me out. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Cool. So tell us all, I want to know all about your program and where people can find you on Instagram. Yeah, I'm at Gestational Diabetes Nutrition on Instagram. And my program is a very high touch program, meaning I check in daily on my clients because this moves fast. And again, there's a lot of pressure to get it right. So if you don't have numbers right where they should be today, you need answers today, not in two weeks when you see a doctor. So we do weekly face-to-face Zoom calls. I check in on them um, every day in our private Facebook group where I also have self-paced learning modules on gestational diabetes, sample meal plans, recipes, you know, things you need to be asking your provider, just it's, it's a huge library of resources. So. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. It's like a one-stop shop kind of like, Hey, you got gestational diabetes. Like I will tell you, we can, we can go on this journey together. Yes. Yes, exactly. (laughs) I love it. I love it. Well, thank you, Leslie, so much for joining me. This was a wonderful little episode for somebody to tune in if they want to learn more about gestational diabetes. Yeah. Thank you again for having me. All right, guys, that wraps up this week's episode. Thank you so much for tuning in and letting me be a part of your motherhood journey. It is truly an honor. If you like what you heard, don't forget to hit that subscribe button so you never miss an episode. And I love hearing what you guys think of the podcast. So if you're liking what you hear or you have a suggestion, I'd be so grateful if you'd go ahead and leave me a review wherever you're listening to help more mamas just like you find the show. What do you think? Are you starting to feel a little more confident about your pregnancy and birth? Well, if you want more, be sure to head on over to mommylabornurse.com slash podcast for today's show notes and a library of episodes so you can keep getting educated before your upcoming birth. And while you're over there, be sure to check out the blog and learn about our online birth classes. Find it all and more over at mommylabornurse.com slash podcast. See you next week. Same time, same place.